0: Welcome to another edition of Resistance TV. The unfolding genocide in Gaza at the hands of the Zionist entity is being facilitated by Western governments who've been lining up to show their support for Israel. President Biden has repeated the plainly false Israeli claim that the Palestinians were responsible for the carnage at the Baptist Hospital in Gaza. The US Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, repeated the lie about Palestinian resistance fighters beheading babies. He also reportedly asked the Qatari prime minister to censor Al Jazeera's coverage of Gaza. And the US has sent two aircraft carriers to the Mediterranean to deter Iran and Hezbollah from opening up another front against the Zionist regime. The French president, President Macron, has visited Israel to pay homage to the Zionist entity and he's banned pro-Palestinian rallies in France. Germany's also banned demonstrations in support of Palestine, and other European countries have done likewise. But despite these bans, there's been a huge show of solidarity with Palestine across Europe from ordinary European citizens. For its part, the British government has been positively sycophantic towards the war criminal Benjamin Netanyahu. In a joint press conference, Rishi Sunot even told Netanyahu that he knew the Israeli regime was taking every precaution to avoid harming civilians, which is clearly a barefaced lie. The Labour opposition is even worse, with shadow cabinet ministers falling over themselves to kowtow to the Zionist colony. And when asked in an LBC interview, Sakir Starmer said Israel had the right to subject Gaza to a medieval siege cutting off water and energy. That's prompted even more people to resign from the Labour Party, and Starmer, together with Angela Rayner, were apparently due to meet Muslim Labour MPs earlier today to discuss the party's stance. I don't know what the outcome of that meeting was, and whether uh, Natalie was our guest in a moment, she may have some further details on that, or indeed uh, Sean might. So we may be able to get onto that if we know what the outcome of that meeting was. But meanwhile, the British Home Secretary, Suella Braverman, has written to every single chief constable in the country stating that, and I want to quote what she says, uh, uh, waving a Palestinian flag may not be legitimate such as when intended to glorify acts of terrorism, apparently, is what she said in her letter to the chief constable. She also stated that chance like uh, from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. Could, she says, amount to a rate, and I'm quoting from the letter, amount to a racially aggravated Section 5 public order offence? So it's pretty obvious that the political class are utterly out of touch with the electorate on this issue here in the UK and, and right across uh, the, the Western world. Anyway, joining us uh, this evening to discuss the developments in Palestine and the political response is Natalie Strecker. Natalie is a long-standing pro-Palestine activist and has spent time in Palestine and she's still got friends living there. Hi, Natalie. Welcome onto the show.
1: Hi. Good evening, Chris.
0: Yeah, thanks for thanks for joining us, Natalie. Just I mean, perhaps, Nobby, really, what's your take on what's been happening since the uh, Alxa flood, where the resistance uh, fighters made that incursion into uh, the occupied um, territory?
2: Well, obviously, what we've seen is the Western world being exposed for the hypocrites that they are. I think, um, if nothing else, it's really demonstrated that the West no longer have any legitimacy um, when it comes to talking about human rights or advocating even for human rights when we look in the context of um, Ukraine obviously in Russia or what we know to be a proxy war between NATO and Russia I mean I think what's unfolded is is utterly horrendous in all honesty Chris I probably feel like many ordinary people do at this time which is absolutely devastated. We're witnessing a genocide unfold in real time and feeling absolutely helpless. Um, Mm. What we've seen is a a huge wealth of support throughout. I mean I think in that respect what's been really good is the tide definitely hasn't turned in terms of public opinion because despite um, the Israeli fight but, you know, propaganda fight, and there certainly is a war going on, on you know, online too. I think the actual narrative of the Palestinians is still managing to break through in a way that we haven't seen before. It's so asymmetrical, the situation. I think, mm. I mean, I'm sort of witnessing even in my um, local community, people who tend to be quite quiet are even beginning to speak out, or people who are a bit hesitant or feel that they're not well informed enough are recognizing that what is unfolding. Um, can in no way be supported um, no. and in no way be justified.
0: No, indeed. Well, of course we've had 75 years of, of, of terrorism and, and oppression of the Palestinian people by the, the Zionist entity, but uh, notwithstanding the fact what I was just saying there in the introduction that uh, you know, countries like Germany and, uh, and France and other European countries have uh, you know, pledged their oath of allegiance essentially to the uh, Zionist entity um 192 countries which includes many of them uh back to a ceasefire uh, the only ones that didn't were the us the uk and israel i mean that's an interesting development isn't it
2: yeah i mean i think that yeah it, i mean i think it's really difficult to work out really what what Obviously, because like you said, that most of the countries, even those that are at this moment um, banning protests and such, still supported um, the call for a ceasefire. Um, I'm not sure why they made that decision. I guess maybe recognizing that history will judge them for it, or maybe the potential consequence of, you know, for, I guess, for legal action um, in the future. You know, for uh, ageing and abetting war crimes. Maybe, I, I don't know. Obviously, I'm not a political leader to so understand why they take the steps that they do. I mean, I don't think it's a surprise that the US vetoed it. They always do, Israel, obviously. We don't even need to have a conversation yeah. about why Israel vetoed yeah. it. Um, in terms of the UK, well, I said a long time ago that I thought as a nation we were moving into fascism and people thought I was being very negative at the time. But when you look at the different legislation that's come through, whether it's, a, you know, the policing bill, the nation and borders bill, whatever, all the different covert human intelligence sources bill, all of these things demonstrated that fact. So, you know, fascist states are going to support each other. And what's happened in terms of Israel is that it's moved from being just a racist state to being a fascist state. I mean, we're seeing um, Israeli journalists, obviously, who support the Palestinian cause or the fight for a, a just peace needing to either losing their jobs, being arrested, but some, like Israel Frey, I think his name is, you know, having to go into into hiding um, yeah. because they're being attacked by violent mobs. So, I mean, I think in terms of the, what happens in Europe, it's, it's very clear. I mean, my concern is because of the rhetoric that's coming out of America, especially in respect of Iran, some of the comments that have been made around that, you know, and as we look, because we can't ignore Ukraine and Russia within this, there seems to be some other fight going on which I can't understand what that is or how they feel is a benefit to any of us in the world but they seem intent on making it you know a a fight um, I guess an escalation within the whole area of the Middle East and that's what I find terrifying at the moment is like I'm I'm asking myself what is the end game here really?
0: No, indeed. What well, do you make as well? I mean, you've you've touched on this. I mean, and I mentioned it as well in my uh, opening remarks. The disconnect between the political class and the media, for that matter, but the disconnect between the political class and the wider general public. I mean, certainly, well, maybe on a lot of issues, but I think certainly on this issue, it's never been greater, has it? I mean, notwithstanding all the the the, the avalanche of, of of pro-Zionist propaganda from the uh, corporate media. Uh, people are still turning out in huge numbers uh, and expressing their solidarity with the Palestinian people online and so on than, than has ever been the case in, in history. As far as I can tell, certainly when you know in the times I've been paying attention to these issues. I mean, that's a source of, of, of hope, isn't it? Do you think?
2: Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's definitely a hope when there's such a groundswell of um, support, like I said, even locally in, in Jersey, where I live. We've seen people come out to support what was our belief for humanity. I live in a very conservative, obviously, um, neighbourhood, but I think it's really important and to recognise that obviously there were Israeli civilians that died within this. And, you know, my stance has always been a humanitarian one that no civilian should die, you know, in, in a conflict. Um, but I think that we... I think, like I said, that people are beginning to recognise how asymmetrical this situation is, that you have mm. a it's a settler colonial project, it always was. Um Palestinians have suffered eight decades and more really, if we look at it, And um, but eight oh, yeah. decades of brutalization, they're subject to um apartheid. And I think there's only so long I, I think social media has given obviously an opportunity for the Palestinian narrative to get out, although they're trying obviously to control that. It's still breaking through. I think um, there is hope in the fact that so many people are coming out, like I said, people who perhaps tend to be a bit conservative or felt it was too complicated, so therefore they didn't want to talk about it. But I think it's so obviously wrong that people, I, I, I you know, I've often said this before, Chris, I actually think as human beings, our tendency is towards good, towards doing good things. If Mm -hmm. if that wasn't the case, then there wouldn't be a need for propaganda. There wouldn't be a need for the dehumanisation of people. So I think more and more people are recognising it for what it is. The problem is you have this total disconnect, like you said, between the political, the ruling classes and ordinary people. And the reason for that, I think, is because they don't need us anymore. You know, mm. technology. I mean, I, my fear, and I've said this several times before, and I know that you'll know people who feel similarly, is we're moving into a form of techno-feudalism. Um, mm. So actually, because we've seen the undermining of democracy for different legislation, that's what neoliberalism was always going to achieve. They don't need us anymore, so they don't care about our opinion anymore. Mm. But that doesn't mean the power doesn't still sit with us, because if there's enough people that stand up for what's right and what's just, we can still bring about change because that's the power does lie with us it's about having the courage to recognize that and to take that stance irrespective of of the consequence.
0: No indeed I mean this maybe this could be a be a catalyst not just for for, uh, the question of of Palestine but but for you know wider issues that you sort of were alluding to there but what do you think it says about the state of our democracy because you know these characters in parliament on both sides of the chamber, they uh, apparently, rely on uh, on us to be uh, elected, and yet they're totally out of step. It seems to me with the public, and seem to be doing the bidding of the uh, of Israel, uh, of the military industrial complex. And um, do you think it, do you think it's coming out to people that these characters are in the pockets of these very powerful vested interests? I mean, what, what do you think it says, uh, as I say,
2: about our democracy? I think, I mean, I would say what democracy in all reality, well, um, yeah. but I, I, I think that people do recognize, you know, and it, and this is the thing quite often we get caught up sometimes in this argument of the left and the right. And I don't think those labels work anymore, Chris. I've had that sort of conversation with you before. It's really about right or wrong. And I think more and more people are beginning to understand um you know how lobbying groups work you know how corporations work you know the donations i mean there's been so much dishonesty even in a leadership um uh, um sorry I just got my mind's just gone back but you know even the leadership race with kia starmer when he wouldn't reveal who was donating to his campaign yes, afterwards so I think people are recognising this, and actually that's one thing, you know, Russell Brand, I don't necessarily agree with everything he says, and I think he's quite poor when it comes to Palestine, in, in all honesty. But what he's done a brilliant job is reaching out to people and showing how the big interests are involved in this and how it works and how And obviously he has a huge platform. I mean, he has millions following him. And I think that that has helped, which is why, like I said, going back to those sort of labels, of left and right, don't actually work anymore. We need to work out what kind of society we want and then work towards that recognizing that sometimes we'll have differing views and that's okay but let's Mm -hmm. work together on the things we can you know work together on and I do Mm -hmm. think that um, Palestine um, when people understand what is going on it's still obviously there's still some education to be done around the subject for some people but I think it's a real like way of galvanizing people really because it's so obvious you know, who's in the right and who's in the wrong here? That's not to justify people's individual acts that, that I might not personally agree with, but it's to understand the context within which those acts have happened, you know, which, like I said, is eight decades of uh, brutalization.
0: Mm, no, indeed. And just on that funding, of course, I mean, some of those funders were, were very prominent Zionists in this country for uh, Sakia Starmer. And you're absolutely right, you know, when you talk about, I mean, there is no equivalence, in my mind, between the Palestinian resistance and the Israeli offensive forces. Uh, they have a multi-billion pound budget with the most powerful weapons in the world. We have a three billion plus dollar uh, contribution from the United States towards the uh, Israeli military every single year. Uh, I already mentioned, didn't it, that the, that the US is sending their, um, two of their Aircraft carriers into the uh, Mediterranean, and if you look at any liberation struggle down the ages, um, it's regrettable. It's always, you know, resulted in in violent struggle. Um, I mean, look at some of the slave uprisings. You know, people like Nat Turner who led a, a very violent slave up, uh, uprising uh, in the United States. Um, Look at Nelson Mandela. You know, he was condemned as a terrorist. Indeed, the Tories used to have badges printed with, uh, say, Hang Mandela. Margaret Thatcher said he was, in terms, a terrorist. And, um, you know, now he's venerated, you know, as, uh, as he should be, uh, as a great sort of, uh, you know, iconic uh, freedom fighter. So I think it's important that we, you know, we get that into context. And and what's what's really frustrating is the way in which the media, you know, try and portray this uh, as some sort of equivalence, or that, you know, that the, you know, the Palestinian resistance is is sort of, uh, you know, beyond the pale. Uh, and they give like a, you know, a, a free pass almost. I mean, there's been some criticism, obviously, of what the uh, Israeli regime has been doing, but. That's only because of the intensity, but, but by a lot, and even with this intense bombardment, you know, they, they're still trying to draw some equivalence between the two. It's absurd, isn't it?
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and that's the thing, you know, violence begets violence. And that's what I try to say when I organize the events over here was that, you know, like I said, there's some individual acts that we personally might feel um, were not okay. And I think that that's okay, but we have to always consider context because context is everything. And you're quite right, you know, different liberal, you know. And I sort of made this argument somebody else. If you look at any um, struggle that Indigenous people have, from Native Americans, you know, whatever group you you sort of want to go to, there are always um, individuals within that who have been so brutalized they end up acting out. They they copy basically um, the crimes of their oppressor you know obviously on a much smaller scale this is unfortunately what happens and then yes. um obviously sorry what we just got on
0: the screen now is the um
2: yes yeah, sorry yeah, these are
0: just... uh, apparently uh, uh, utterly beyond the pale brutal resistance fighters um uh, handing back a um an israeli elderly woman and, and they don't look particularly you know brutal to me and when you then contrast that with the way in which the israel's uh, security forces treat Palestinian elderly yeah, people, uh, there is no comparison, is there?
2: No, I've, I mean, I've seen it, and that's the thing. I just want to sort of highlight that, you know, that I might think an action, you know, but I'm not, it, it's maybe not something that I would do, but I recognise the context no. within which, yeah. which it happens. I just really want to sort of make that very clear. No, no, I and, understand that. And actually, you know, it, it is totally asymmetrical. Like you said, you know, you've got Israel that's, um, for eight decades have brutalized the Palestinians, ethnic cleansing, massacres, you know, regular massacres, you know, demolishing of homes, stealing of homes, you know, I mean, a, a brutal apartheid, and then you've got some resistance fighters, Israel was funded to the sum of 3.8 billion a year um, by the US government, um, fully supported by Europe. Um, in undertaking its its war crimes and its crimes against humanity. And then you've got some resistance fighters. So in no way is there symmetry between how they're behaving. And you're quite right, I mean, it's been interesting looking at some of the footage that's come with that sort of elderly lady that you mentioned, I'm not sure of, of her name, but talking about how they were treated, like you said, you know, as much as it might have been a brutal situation that, you know, that resulted them being taken hostage. Um, but actually they were treated with respect, which is so different to, you know, the 10,000 Palestinians that are languishing in Israeli prison cells who are totally demoralized, who were tortured, you know, a huge portion of them are children. You know, Israel is the only state in, in the world that imprisons children in, in, in this way, you know, and, and tortures them and all, all the rest things that I've already spoken about um, previously. And I think that, you um, they are beginning to lose propaganda. Well, in fact, it's interesting because some of the things that are being sort of translated, I've sort of seen on, online just a little bits of clips that I've seen. Almost when she's saying something that in any way humanizes the resistance fighters, it tends to get sort of shut down. So you don't get yeah. it translated. No, no. Obviously, other people are looking looking at it afterwards. But there's always this, you know, this this language of dehumanisation. It's not a new thing used. You know, Palestinians are indigenous people of that region. But it's not unusual language that's being used in respect of indigenous peoples. We've seen this, you know, no. the savages. It, it, it's a very colonialist mindset. Yeah, and yeah. this is the point With with Europe generally, is our governments need to decolonize their minds? They haven't, you know, obviously, um, ordinary people too. But but our government and and it, you know, we like to think sometimes that colonialism ended, you know, at the end of the 20th century. But we know that this hasn't been yeah. the case at all, it's taken different forms, but um, obviously when we look at Israel, this is very much using the model of the um, of the 19th Absolutely. and 20th century.
0: I mean, I think you put your finger on it there actually, uh, Natalie, uh, when you talked about uh, European uh, uh, colonialists, as it were, because essentially Israel is a European colony. The, the people that have that have kind of, as it were, settled there, are predominantly Europeans, whether they've come from the United States, but originally those people that have come from the United States came from from Europe, um, and, and you know, the, and it seems you know they're applying the same sort of, um, well, it does not seems they are applying this the same sort of uh, uh, tactics that, that, like you say, that have been done to um, you know indigenous peoples by. Uh, you know, colonial powers down through the ages. And the is, of course, I mean, it's often referred to uh, sort of hatred of, uh, of Jews as, as anti-Semitism. But the Palatini- Palestinians are sea heights. Most of the uh, the the, uh, the Jewish settlers there are not, in reality. I mean, you know, they're not, <laughs> you know. So that's a really curious uh, um uh situation really but uh, i just want to move on uh, uh if i can uh natalie, uh, natalie i know you, you you know you talked about this petition uh calling for uh, ursula van de to uh resign just say a little bit about that with you and, and what's behind it
2: sorry which petition so sorry
0: you know, the petition you. yeah ursula the ursula van de uh, oh, the
2: european yeah yeah um well well, yeah, because, I mean, she's an absolute disgrace. You know who has been really encouraging to sort of watch? Obviously, you've got Spain. I think it's the Ministry of, of Justice. I'm not too sure that, that the, um, the individual's name. Um, but she's come out, obviously, supporting Palestine and, and looking at, and demanding sanctions. And obviously, Claire Daly, who's always been amazing, from um, um, the Irish, obviously, um, European Parliament member, um quite rightly stating that that you know the the head of the EU does not represent many European states, I mean her unequivocal support and unconditional support for Israel as it commits war crimes um, is it, despicable, it, it's disgraceful and actually I would argue that there's probably a legal case to be put to Europe for allowing these because like I said they're not just um, giving cover for war crimes, they're actively and openly calling for them, aging better by refusing to support ceasefires or by trying to suggest that there's an equivalence in, in these situations, that, you know, um, that it's okay for a collective punishment, all of these things. They're basically throwing away the rule book when it comes to um, well it's not a war, is it? You know, people keep referring to it as a war. It's not a war when you've got, you know, a civilian population, by the way, you know, over 50% of them are under the age of 18, you know, being Bombarded in this way, it's a pulverization, it's a genocide, and an attempt, obviously, um, for mass expulsion into the Sinai Desert. And I think that there needs to be an accounting for that. So yes, there is this petition calling for a resignation. I mean, I I hope she does resign, but um, you know, obviously, it's very difficult because the whole of Europe is lurching rightwards, and that's because the economic system is failing. You know, there's all these other sort of elements. I think what we're seeing at the moment, what I would say is I think um, we are seeing the breaking down of a system. My hope is that something better will be created from that breaking. I always remember Ilan Pape saying that sometimes things have to break before they can be rebuilt in in a better way. And that's what I try to hold on to hope to. But this is what we're seeing. I mean, EU has lost any legitimacy. As I said, they've got no business talking about any other nation. Um, human rights records when we're seeing a genocide unfolding in real time like I sort of mentioned earlier mm. and mm. actively supporting it and calling for it and saying anyone who is trying to call for a ceasefire is somehow supporting terrorism. I mean it's insane we're in George Orwell's 1984. I, I just... It's incredibly yeah. difficult to, to manage manage. I think I said to you, you know, like a lot of ordinary people, I'm struggling. Look, observing what's happening, I have to dip in and out of it because I can't hold it. I don't know how to navigate seeing this happen mm-hmm. in real time.
0: You're not the you're not the only one, Nathalie. Uh, uh, you know, more than a few people who are not particularly engaged politically have, um, you know, been seeing some of the news reports, and they similarly have found it. Is too much to take and so they also have been sort of you know dipping in and dipping in that because they you know they can't they can't really compute they can't you know cope with these horrific images that are being seen on our screens and just this this unequal uh struggle that that you know the palestinians you know have to engage in at the moment but uh, i guess on that petition um people could probably find it if they search for it online can they
2: Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. You should be able if you go to actually Claire Daly. I think I'm pretty sure that she she says. I think that's where I found it. But yes, you can find it um online. Um, And I would encourage everybody to to sign sign that and any other petition. I mean, I don't know how. You know, I I began to lose sort of a bit of confidence really in in how petitions sort of actually work and what change they can bring. But you know, when there is significant numbers, at least a conversation is had, and I think that's really important. you know, to do the things that we can do, you know, like I said, we, you know, I do feel helpless, we do feel helpless, but there are things that we can do and although we might not be able to change anything at this moment, it means that Palestinians aren't losing their lives without the world knowing and I think that's as much as, as important as, as anything at this moment in time is to be witness to the horrors that are unfolding and to make sure that the world knows about it, you know, that ordinary people, Around the world, understand what's being done, and often for us in the West, in our name. I mean, it's interesting, obviously, because the global South, to some degree, have taken a, a different position on this, which which is good. But that's also because they understand colonialism and its impact. Yes,
0: no, for sure, for sure. I mean, just talking about you know the reaction of the, of the political class and the kind of establishment. I just want to play a short clip of a tube driver. Who's been suspended by TFL? Can you just play that clip for us, guys? Free, free, Palestine!
2: Free, free, Palestine! Free, free, Palestine! Free, free, Palestine! Free, free, Palestine! Free, free,
0: Palestine! Free, free, Palestine! Free, free, Palestine! 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 Hope you all have a blessed day today and look after yourselves. All those people in your prayer. have a good day well that that guy was articulating the the views of um well everybody on that tube train it seems and uh, i think millions of people across the country and yet he's been suspended i mean wh- what do you make of that natalie
2: I don't think it comes as a surprise Chris. Um, I think if we were saying free, free Ukraine I don't think anybody would have any problem with probably saluting him and no doubt he'd be um, being called a hero Um, but again it's that disconnect um, between the um, political and the ruling classes and ordinary people but also we know that there are very powerful lobbying groups you know, we, we see this, how many people do we know, Chris, who've lost their jobs as a result of, you know, standing up for Palestinian rights and this is the issue. I mean, history will hold them on high, you know, but at the moment, obviously, people still need to manage within within this time frame, you know, <laughs> this timeline that we're living in. So, I mean, I hope he gets um support. I hope that he has union representation um that can support and through this because, like you said, I think it was very clear that the vast majority of people on that troop were supporting him and, and actually what you know a free Palestine I think you sort of referenced it earlier when people try and say you know that somehow free Palestines means you know putting all is you know sending all Israelis into the, the sea or, or whatever or being crushed and, and it's a nonsense it's about Palestinians having freedom justice equality and a life of dignity which every single human being should be afforded, that should be our fundamental rights as human beings and the moment we think that some people don't deserve that, you know, we are in dangerous territory. I often say I said it to someone over here, to a politician, political landscapes change all the time. At the moment it might be Palestinians but if we allow this, these new norms where people are dehumanised in this way and genocide in this way, what's to say in a few years it won't be us? So we need to understand our connection with each other as you know, as humans throughout the planet. We need, we cannot allow no, norms to be established where people are genocides. You know, these are things that don't belong in this century. They should never have belonged, but they certainly shouldn't belong within this century.
0: Mm-hmm. And just you know, looking at the uh, political response and uh, the the way in which the media has covered the events in Palestine, I mean. I don't know if you're familiar with the Hannibal Directive, uh, Natalie, but this is a a directive which has been adopted by the IDF for some many, many years, I believe. And essentially that is a directive which basically stipulates that the Israeli forces will do everything they can to prevent soldiers or indeed citizens from being taken prisoner because obviously we've seen where, where they have been, prisoner exchanges and you know, a lot of Palestinians have been freed in exchange for a smaller quantity of uh, Israeli uh, prisoners. But uh, this Hannibal Directive stipulates that, you know, extreme force can be used in essentially what it amounts to is that they would sooner kill their own soldiers, their own citizens than allow them to be taken uh, prisoner. I mean, what does that say about the Zionist mentality, in your opinion?
2: I mean, it's horrific, isn't it? Rather than advocate for a just peace and work out how can we actually stop a cycle of violence when no civilian gets killed, they would allow their civilians to be killed. I mean, I saw, obviously- um, kill, them kill, them yeah, kill them themselves.
0: Kill them it's themselves. They would actually kill them themselves.
2: Yeah, don't, that, yeah, I was going to say that. Um, I think Loki covered this very well in his conversation with Piers Morgan. Um, and I would really encourage people to watch that interview because although Piers Morgan obviously stopped the interview, I think um, Loki did a fantastic job of getting some real truths and some analysis out there, which is important. I mean, it's horrific, Chris. You know, the reality is, you know, my position, as I said, is, is, is as a humanitarian, I just want a kinder world. I don't want any civilian to die, you know, and for people to heal um, their own in order, you know, to stop them from being taken hostage so that there's, you know, any way of um, uh, leveraging one, you know, diff- different sort of for peace or for rights, whatever it might be, is, I mean, it, it is despicable. I, I find that I was having a conversation with, with a good friend of mine over here, Ollie, we talk about this a lot, and he was saying, the problem with you, Natalie, is you keep trying to understand their actions from where you're sitting as a human being. But these individuals are so sick and are so twisted and indoctrinated; they cannot see in the way that you're seeing, and that's why you'll never understand them. You know, and and, and it's hard, you know, because I, I don't understand that. You know, I, I don't see who really wins at the end of this. It debases us as as individuals, as communities, as societies, and you can see that the moral fabric of Israel is being ripped apart. It's being shredded. And now Israelis are beginning to suffer as a consequence of that, and actually that's yeah. very sad. Obviously, Palestinians are not suffering the same way as Palestinians, but ultimately nobody wins from this in the long term,
0: unless of course the resistance uh, succeeds. And uh, let's see how that develops, because the US, despite their threats uh, to, uh, by, you know, sailing their gunboats, as it were, their their aircraft carriers into the Mediterranean. Um, in order to deter, so they say, you know, Hezbollah and uh, and uh, Iran from opening up uh, another front uh, against the Zionist entity, there's been virtually daily, near daily exchanges of fire uh, with the Israeli forces along the border with uh, Hezbollah. So you know, since since the you know since the the, the uh, latest bombardments erupted, I mean, their threats aren't working. I mean, the resistance seems to be much stronger, much better organised than it's been in the past. Would you agree?
2: Yeah, that certainly seems to be the case. And, and it's stupid anyway, because the thing is, when people have no other option left, when they are being faced with, you know, total erasure, annihilation, actually people will fight with everything they've got. Because, you know, we said this, you know, in in the past, you're, this idea that people will die on their knees is just a nonsense. you when there's no other option for them even if they know they're going to die they're going to fight so actually I think people become, and that's why I don't understand really the US mentality people are much more dangerous if, if if they think that they're cornered and there's no way out for them you know mm-hmm. I mean I hope the resistance does win I mean I you know I'm an aspiring pacifist I've said that to you before Chris but yeah. you know people have the legitimate right and, and under international law to arms resistance you know so if this is the only option available to them, you know, I support that I, because we need this to come to, a, to an end. You know, we cannot expect Palestinians to suffer, what, another 10, 20, 30, you know, years of this. It, 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 it's untenable. And, and you can't erase all Palestinians. It, it's an absolute nonsense to to believe that they can be, you know, erase that people will forget. You know, and I, and I said this over here in in my speech I gave on Saturday. Do you not think, do the West not think that there won't be a consequence to us for this when our governments yeah. are supporting this? We saw what unfolded as a result of the illegal invasion of Iraq. Yeah. I mean, are we really prepared? You know, Palestinians aside, we should always support Palestinians as peoples of people of conscience. But let's part the Palestinians that ordinary people actually absolutely. want to be paying the price for their government supporting war crimes and genocide. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah absolutely. Well, um, let's just bring in uh, Sean uh, just sort of see what uh, reaction's been to our viewers this evening to uh, see if there's any any f- concluding comments in the last uh, few minutes that you might want to react to. Absolutely.
1: Hi, Chris. Hi, Natalie. Um, Yeah, there's lots of people leaving comments uh, this evening. Obviously, people are still in shock about what they're witnessing. So I'll just read a few of the things out for you, uh, the comments that we've had. Um, Actually, John, one of our regular viewers, um, asks, of our Western government bureaucratic class with the supporting law echelons, what can we expect as we move forward? Ilan Pape. I'm just about to view in Harvard this week, we're in deep trouble. Mm.
0: Well, that's pretty yeah, self-evident, isn't it? I think um, what you think, Natalie, to that comment.
2: Yeah, to be honest, Chris, I find it difficult to know how to respond. At this moment, I'm without hope. (laughs) Well, yeah, I'm holding on to, like, obviously the resistance and that. The groundswell of people, but you know, I think those who are ruling us, you know, I guess in in certainly in in the West, they're not interested in bringing this to a just end. They're not interested in bringing about a ceasefire. It's a horrendous time to be living in, and I mean, you know, and I have the privilege, right? We have the privilege of saying it's horrendous, and I feel exhausted, and I feel devastated. But this is pal- what Palestinians are suffering, is something we can't even begin to comprehend. No. No, absolutely.
1: There is a Tory MP, though, isn't there? Uh, is it Crispin Blunt? Who yeah. Who is uh, he, he's trying to activate the ICC into bringing forward um, arrests um, and bring people to the International Criminal Court I don't know how successful they'll be in doing that. I, I can't imagine it happening because these people always seem to get away with everything. But yeah. it's a start, and it's a it's a step in the right direction, I would think. And hopefully, they're busy collecting lots of evidence and information about these people. I mean, there's there's been an uproar this last week about Keir Starmer and his comments. Uh, mm-hmm. Chris, if you had any anything to say about Keir Starmer and um, what he's had to say. Uh, Actually, Bobby Carnegie's left us a comment. How absolutely shocking Keir Starmer, leader of the UK Labour Party condoned Israel military right to blockade to the, the Palestinian people, a vital life-supporting aid. We await backlash from many Labour councillors, resigning posts, and a mass signed letter from Labour MPs and supporters decrying Keir Starmer's warmonger, warmongering. And in fact, there has been a, many uh, Muslim Labour councillors who've resigned this week or in the last couple of days and just before we came on air I was reading that uh, news reporters have been reporting that uh, MPs have been having a very stern talking to the the leadership in the Labour Party mm-hmm. about their response to this so what what's your Comments on that,
0: Chris? Well, Thomas is an utterly repugnant individual, isn't he? And he's totally um, bought into the whole Zionist project. Indeed, he said, didn't he, that he supports Zionism without qualification. He was uh, funded, as we've just discussed in the conversation with Natalie, his leadership bid was funded by uh, prominent Zionists. And uh, we know he's an authoritarian and uh, and the man would be a disaster as prime minister, I think far worse than the Tories, which is astonishing thing to say for somebody like me who was in the Labour Party for 44 years and who always believed that a Labour government was always a bad Labour government was always better than a than any Tory government. But I I don't honestly believe that anymore. There is no real difference between the two. And in many respects, I think, you know, a a Labour government could be even worse, particularly on on this uh, uh, issue. Um, and you know his authoritarian uh, mentality, I think you know, could see a uh, Labour government going even further than you know. So, other brave has is sought to to do with her letter, as I mentioned, that's gone round to all of the the chief constables. So. It's good to see that uh, people are resigning from the Labour Party. More people are resigning from the Labour Party. Frankly, I'm astonished that anybody's remained in the Labour Party uh, for as long as they have, given the direction of travel that he's taken on a whole range of different topics, whether it be the domestic policy agenda or indeed, as we're talking about this evening, the foreign policy uh, positions that they've, that they've taken. And, uh, you know, hopefully uh, the, you know, many of those people have been expressing their disillusion, you know, will, follow through and, and leave and and I hope that this will lead to a or helping to lead towards anyway the building of, of an alternative um, left grouping as it were to what is the flip side of the Tory coin and um, you know we're beginning to sort of see that um, you and I as you know uh, obviously we've joined the workers party we hope that more people will, will join us uh, in the workers party The Workers' Party is the only party, as far as I can tell, which has given its unambiguous support to the Palestinian cause and the Palestinian uh, resistance. And, uh, you know, if people want to see a, you know, a political voice to their concerns about the British foreign policy and the situation that we're seeing unfolding in uh, in Palestine at the moment, then, you know, there's a home in the Workers' Party. And uh, I mean, I'll be writing out, and indeed the letter may have already gone actually to all Labour councillors inviting them to consider uh, resigning from the uh, Labour Party and joining the Workers' Party in view of the stance that that Keir Starmer has has taken. I mean, it's an utterly inhuman position. It's an astonishing position that any politician could have said what he said, let alone a Labour politician, a Labour leader, to be saying these things. It's it's
2: kind of beyond the
0: pale. But yeah, I mean, I don't know whether, whether. I guess Natalie you probably agree with that or maybe we may have other other thoughts about that but
2: no I think Keir Starmer is a utter disgrace to not just to the Labour Party but to humanity in general and my understanding is a human rights lawyer right I mean the guy sold his soul um a long time ago it it would seem to me you know but There's a lot of us unfortunately that recognise that and too many people fell for, you know, his his lies in in the leadership campaign and that's what's so devastating. But I think that you know, it's interesting because if we look at is Crispin Blunt, is that right? Is the consumer, Yes, yes, you know,
0: indeed. That's, Ironically that's it's the Tory same. leading the charge, yeah,
2: yeah. Absolutely, respect him. But can you imagine if he was actually neighbour, he probably be, would be expelled by the already. Well
0: absolutely. And I that's, mean that's the astonishing you know? thing, isn't it? Yeah.
2: Yeah, and, and that's the thing, you know, and I mean I mean, you know, history will judge these these individuals, but it's hard as we live through this time, right? We know that history will vindicate those who, who took a stance yeah. for what was right and, and you know, and will condemn them, but having to live through history is, is really not much fun. <laughs> no, indeed. You know? no
1: indeed. Yeah, yeah. I blast, think blast. It's, it's 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 a mask-off moment for the Labour Party. Um yeah. and not, on, not only not only Keir Starmer, but also the lackeys that surround him, Lisa Nandy, um, oh, yeah. Angela Rayner, um, and co. Richard Bergen has tried to has put a, a, an early day motion together. Unfortunately, he's only managed to get 83 politicians to sign the motion so far. So he needs a lot more support for that. Um, so I would. I would ask everybody to email their MPs. You can find your MPs email address on find my MP and uh, write to them and tell them to, uh, in your name, to sign that early day motion, requesting a ceasefire ceasefire, uh, immediately.
0: Yes, Yes, absolutely, absolutely.
1: Any final Um,
0: uh, comments from our uh, viewers before we close then? Oh,
1: uh, yeah, there's there's a few more. Paul McCord says uh, the warped mindset and reasoning of the Zionist imperialists should be called out and exposed for what it is and what they are. Totally agree with that, Paul. Um, Axe-sharp bans. The weapons industry has its talons deep into the region. They're developing weapons that are tested on the Gaza Strip. That's why Israel has the political support and the protection of the West. Yeah, and I believe uh, Elbit systems are actually... Using uh, a very new uh, weapon called um, it's called Iron Sting. Um, I've been reading about, um, and I've heard a lot of doctors in the Gaza Strip who've been talking about um, the injuries that they're seeing coming in. It's it's, it's stuff that they've never seen before. Um, the burns that these new weapons are causing are absolutely horrific. Um, Ivory Towers says, isn't it interesting how with all our instant digital media, the powers that be can still get away with blatantly lying to us. It proves that only we, the people, can change the world and we must. Absolutely. And, you know, having witnessed it, I've, I've been on social media 24-7 since it started. And and having witnessed the, uh, the dead baby story, um, the rape story, um, all these uh, the the stories coming out about what happened in very uh, kibbutz. Um, there's lots of different things. Oh, and the latest one is they they interrogated a Hamas um, what do you call it supporter terrorist yeah. um, and and they, and they found a leaflet on him showing how to make chemical we- weapons. So we oh. think. This might be yeah. a precursor to a, a false flag event like yeah. the one that talks into Syria when they said that that would be the red line if uh, Assad used chemical weapons. And then lo and behold, there was this false flag um, about the, the Duma uh, affair when yeah. they said they used chemical weapons and it, it, they didn't at all. Um, so we need to keep an eye on that one because that, that leaflet actually turned out to be um, a book. It was a front page of a book. Uh, people on social media found very quickly it was the front page of a book that they'd just laminated and made photocopied inserts out of the pages of this book and laminated them so that they could show them on on tv uh, as proof that they were going to make chemical weapons um i mean so far everything that they've come out there was uh ben shapiro was showing ai tampered with pictures um, everything they've come out with so far has been debunked. Um, I, I don't think there's anything, any truth behind anything that they're saying at the moment. No. Um, well, the, let-
0: the good thing. Oh, go on. Then. Yeah, on the last one.
1: Go on, Chris, what were you going to say?
0: No, no, no. I was going to say, you know, I was just going to uh, close us off, but you've got one more last right, uh, comment. Okay.
1: Yeah, one one more from our Kira over in Ireland who joins us every week. Uh, she says, yes, we are seeing Israeli witnesses say hostages were killed Israeli crossfire and houses with hostages, and Hamas was shelled to bits, killing all, no mention of Israeli negotiators brought in. So I don't know whether you've seen that. Um, it's a, a radio interview with one of the kibbutz survivors uh, who witnessed everything that happened, and again, they were saying that the Hamas um, people were treating them very humanely, and then when the IDF soldiers came in, they just started shooting everyone to bits including all the hostages um and again that's well, another witness um i think you mentioned that to do with the hannibal option
0: yes um, indeed yeah about. the hannibal directive yes absolutely could yeah. very well be linked uh, linked to that um, but uh, listen thanks very much uh, sean and, and thank you natalie for taking the time out to to join us to uh, discuss this uh, really tragic situation that's unfolding on our television screens and uh, we're going to be obviously monitoring uh, the situation. We'll probably return to the same uh, topic uh, next week, but in the meantime, thanks everybody for watching this evening. If you can please show your solidarity on the streets for the Palestinian people and do what you can by signing the petitions that have been mentioned uh, this evening. And, And obviously, you know, do your bit on social media. The difference today, I think, between, the past, because the Israelis have always engaged in in propaganda, is that we do have these social media platforms to provide an alternative narrative, and that's why, in many ways, I believe that we are winning the war of words. So that's all we can really do, I suppose, in here in the UK, as as Natalie is saying, we we can do what we can do, and that is to try and make sure that we show our solidarity and we do our best to you know spread the truth of the reality of the situation by using the various social media platforms that we have at our disposal. And despite all the efforts to, uh, you know, influence the algorithms, as it were, to limit our reach, if all of us are doing this, all of us are sharing this this information, it, it makes it impossible uh, for these vested interests to, to close us down. So I think, you know, that important message, which I think a lot of people have been saying in the comments this evening and what we've been touching on as we've discuss this this evening is that you know the strength of our collective solidarity it's a it's a topic it's 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 a, it's a theme that we return to time and time and time again on so many issues that if we could just recognize realize the strength of our of our um, of our collective um, effort then you know we would be and will be unstoppable so thanks again Natalie for, for joining thanks everybody for watching uh, hopefully we'll be back next week at the same time so until then this is Chris Williams saying bye for now